this is Ashley, and you are listening to Block, Stock and Barrel, the podcast about blockchains and a whole lot more. On the show today with me, we speak to Tim Kemp, the head of emerging ledgers at Digital Asset. Tim is responsible for delivering integrations of Digital Asset's demo programming language on Hyperledger Fabric, Sawtooth and Bezu, Corda, and SQL databases. He started in Capital Markets Technology in 2000 as a programmer and has built a career at the intersection of technology and business and financial services. Daml is an open source smart contract language designed to build composable applications on an abstract ledger model. Today, organizations leveraging Daml include the likes of Accenture, the Australian Securities Exchange, the International Swaps and Derivatives Association, and most recently, the Singapore Exchange. In this episode, Tim talks about everything Daml, deep diving into its benefits of its smart contract language approach across distributed and non-distributed solutions, successful use cases, and exciting partnerships. So once again, I hope you enjoy this episode of Block, Stock & Barrel with Tim Kemp. Hi, Tim. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you, Ashley. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. All right. So I'd like to hear a little bit more about your own personal journey um, coming to the space. How did you first get started getting involved in blockchain technology? Uh, well, uh, I've been a capital markets IT professional for my whole career. Um, but I think I got interested in blockchain around about the time that a lot of people did in our industry around uh, 2014, 2015. Um, I started to work with some people who were interested in the space and just began to hear about it from them. Um, the thing that attracted me to it, though, particularly as a um, as a capital markets person, was the the possibility of of, of great efficiency savings and operational transformations. Um, you know, I, I was I was personally as interested in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies as anybody else, um, but uh, I, I think it was that um, private permissioned ledgers um, angle that really got me thinking about uh, the fact that this could be a space I could I could actually contribute to and do something with. Yeah, that's a rare, I mean, not really rare, but most people would obviously be interested in the public space. And I guess, I mean, in the, I guess in the beginning of, I guess, last year or so, still like permission, public, a private or public permission ledgers, permissionless ledgers were still like a bit of like a, people were like so not so certain about whether there was a real value to it and whether it was like difference between database or whatever. So how did you, um, first get started with digital asset then yeah um well that follows on from the last you know, the last question really i um you know i'm 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 also pretty excited about the possibilities of ethereum style world computers um i i think that in terms of performance that technology is some way off being able to really realize its true promise of running massive global scale distributed applications but um when I, I realized that there was a chance that there was uh, some benefits here for businesses, I started to look around for companies that were doing, um, you know, that were doing interesting things in the space that were that had an approach to it that I thought made sense to me. Um, and I looked at a number of firms, and digital assets struck me as the one that had the the most enterprise focused approach and the one that was most appropriate for um, for the kinds of businesses that I was familiar with, you know, big exchanges, banks, and so on. Um, uh, so really it was a, it was sort of a process of, of looking at a bunch of different companies and how they were looking at, um, looking at solving those problems, whether they were coming at it from a sort of, um, 
Bitcoin utopianist perspective or whether they were a bit more pragmatic. Um, Digital Asset at the time that I joined had just started making some noise about their work with the Australian Securities Exchange. And that to me was a real sign that the approach that the management team and, and the founders were taking there uh, was the right one. Um, I also, as I got through the interview process, started to learn a bit more about DAML and its 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 basis in, in functional programming and the mathematical and analytical rigor behind it. And, and that, to me, um, was, again, a sign of, of strength in the technology. So there was both approach and technology that were that, that led digital asset to be very interesting to me. And I was uh, I was able to secure a job here. And I, I'm, I'm very happy that I did that. Very cool. So how would you explain what DAML is? So DAML is, DAML is a um, it's a smart contract language, and um, why I think that's interesting is that smart contracts have been um, a sort of adjacent technology to blockchains and distributed ledgers from the start. You know, obviously, once you have a, a big yeah. distributed mechanism for sharing state and, and agreement among different parties, you need some way of controlling how that state changes. So DAML is a is a language for doing that. The thing that makes it clever, though. Um, is that uh, we at Digital Asset have been able to grow the language in such a way that it's generally useful across any sort of business problem. If you think about um, if you think about writing writing business applications or writing writing systems to coordinate and control uh, different aspects of workflows between parties, so between suppliers and purchasers, or between customers and vendors, or between different departments and institutions, even. Um, a lot of it comes down to trying to express the rules that govern those interactions. Who has mm-hmm. what particular rights at which stage of a, of a business process? You know, for example, if I'm buying something online, then the, the company that has the website essentially has the right to offer a bunch of things for me for sale. Uh, I have the right to accept one of those offers and, and, and put that thing in my cart. At that point, the company is obliged to tell me whether um, they have enough inventory to meet my order, and then I'm obliged if I if I accept that I have the right to accept that. If I do, I'm obliged to provide my payment information. And then you know the, the the chain of it evolves very much in terms of who has which rights and obligations in respect to who at which stage. Daml embodies mm-hmm. that. Yeah, Daml embodies that in a very very nice and natural way, um, and an enormous amount. You know, I come from an enterprise IT space, and an, an enormous amount of business application programming is really concerned with. Um, expressing those rules and traditional programming languages do that in a way that muddies and, and sort of blends up concerns with telling the system how to behave, you know, where to allocate memory and how to store stuff and how to open connections to other systems and how to format messages and so on. None of which is really concerned with the business problem. Um, DAML abstracts all that away. All you have to worry about is describing the, uh, the roles and relations between the different parties. Um, so DAML is, a, is an open source smart contract language. Now, that in itself is all very interesting, um, but the real power of it comes when you start to understand that DAML uh, works on any platform. So it's not just tied to a digital asset distributed ledger. It works on a whole bunch of different distributed ledgers and blockchain platforms and databases and so on. So it's the, the, the first Where one. Where is it currently available? DAML right now is currently available on many of the Hyperledger platforms, so Fabric, uh, Bizu. Um, and Sawtooth. It's available on Amazon's QLDB and Aurora databases. It's available on Postgres, uh, both cloud mm-hmm. and on-premises. And it's available on uh, VMware blockchain. And it's available on um, R3's Corda platform, both enterprise and open source. And we're working on more all the time. Um, so- the, the, the promise here is that if you write your application in DAML, 
um, you know, you can develop that on on Postgres, and when you're ready to move to a distributed ledger, you can put that on Corda, or you can put it on VMware. You can swap between those ledgers. So it really nicely decouples the concerns that you might have about selecting a, a distributed ledger platform to meet your particular operational needs from how you choose to write the application itself. So how how does Daml compare to other smart contract languages that exist out there, especially considering the fact that you guys run on so many different platforms? So the, the, I think the big difference is um, Daml is built, um, it, it's not built as part of the platform. And what that means is all the all the operational details of those platforms. You know, in, in order to make it run on multiple platforms, we have to abstract those details away. So many smart contract languages are really concerned with um, much of the detail of how you you know how you manage keys on a particular platform, for example, or how you describe identity, which is bound up in the implementation details of those platforms. And chain code is a good example of that. Um, Daml doesn't have any of those things in it. That's that's kicked down to the um, that's kicked down to the implementation on a particular ledger. So in that sense, it's a very clean language. It's, it's concerned only with the business problem. Um, so that's the, that's the principal difference. Um, and the other aspect, the other difference here is that Daml is is created, you know, from scratch to be what it is. It's a it's a specific purpose programming language which is built just for handling smart contracts um, in a in a distributed system context. It isn't a DSL that's built on top of you know an existing programming language. It's not based on Java. It's not based on JavaScript. It's not. Um, it doesn't have any of the legacy baggage of those languages, which are really built for systems programming. They're built to instruct computers on what to do and how to behave and respond to messages and so on. Daml is built to describe. Um, it's built to describe business processes, and that's all it does. So this means that I guess in the case of when a platform goes through a significant upgrade or update, migration would be easier for companies. Yes, that's right. Um, that, that's absolutely right. You know, we, we, we control the evolution of DAML. Um, we, we have to, given the nature of our clients, make um, very firm guarantees about um, upgradability and, and long-term support and so on. Um, but the, the actual upgrading of the platform underneath becomes no different than if you decided to change the platform underneath. It's something that the, the abstraction, the uh, the integration layer handles for you. So how exactly how easy is it to learn demo? Like, can you quantify that anywhere? Like, give give a comparison? Well, Daml's a very small language, um, meaning, you know, it doesn't have very many keywords in it. It doesn't have all that many constructs in it. Um, it's proven and i think you know we've done a bunch of surveys on this it's proven to be very very easy for people to pick up and 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 get the basics of and, and begin to describe their business processes in it um you know it looks when you first start thinking about learning a new programming language it's potentially an intimidating thing um but daml is it makes that as simple as possible um the reason it's easy is because you are only thinking about you know what are the rules of these parties what do these parties have to do in relation to each other what's the business process um, but I don't think we'd ever make the claim that Daml is writable by a business user or business analyst. I don't think that's really the case. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not any harder to learn than Excel formulas, for example. Uh, and what we found on, on work with live projects is that um, business analysts and business users are able to sit down with programmers and understand really immediately without any knowledge of Daml what's being said on the screen. It's very clear who's responsible for what at each stage in the Daml workflow. You can You can see that on the screen and and get a sense of it very easily. So I, th- I think the language is, is significantly um, 
easier uh, to learn than a smart contract language based on something like JavaScript, where there's a whole bunch of extra baggage you have to pick up along the way. Right, definitely. That's definitely very interesting and significant, considering that there is a strong need to improve accessibility within the blockchain development space. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. I, I would I would very much agree with that. I think you've got the the way that blockchains and distributed ledgers have grown up is that, and it's quite natural. You know, you, you think um, I want to create a blockchain platform for business. Well, okay, if I create that platform, I need some way for people to be able to write uh, write code on it. Um, and so you naturally you pick an off the shelf language to go with that, and you build some extensions into it to support smart contracts on your particular blockchain flavor. Um, and that looks like a nice logical thing to do, but what it does is it it really closely binds up your um, the future of all the applications you develop on it with that choice that you make on the very first day. Right. What we've tried to do at Digital Asset is to take the opposite approach with that, which is to think about what's exactly the right tool to write a business process or a smart contract, and let's decouple that completely from the platform. You know, your platforms have different operational characteristics. Some of them are fast. Um, some of them are, are, are very make very strong guarantees in terms of data continuity. Um, some of them are very you know complicated to deploy, but have high availability and resilience. Some of them are, are strictly public. Um, you know, you pick the one that's appropriate for the use case, and as that use case evolves, make changes to it, but keep the application running in exactly the same way that it always was. Naturally, you guys are focusing primarily on yeah enterprise blockchains. Do you guys? Do you guys have any integrations or what are you guys doing with any kind of enterprise Ethereum? Uh, we have an integration with uh, the Bizu project, um, which right. is an okay. Ethereum-based stack. Um, I think we've, we've um, you know, we've long been interested in what's been going on with, uh, with the Quorum stack as well. Um, we don't have an integration with that yet, but um, that's certainly something I think we'd be interested in looking at. Yeah, especially since they've recently uh, just got acquired by Quantum yes. Consensus. Yes, exactly. I, th- I think that's a good that's a good home for Quorum too. I'm 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 pleased that they've landed there. Yeah. So, could you tell me a little bit more about some of the key use cases uh, that you guys are exploring at Digital Asset for demo? Yeah, I think the I think the biggest one that people will be familiar with is the work we're doing with the Australian Securities Exchange. Um, for <laughs> those that aren't intimately familiar with it. Um, the work there is replatforming in their multi-decade old chess settlement system. So essentially the clearinghouse uh, settlement system for the Australian Securities Exchange. Um, that's been running for a long time uh, on legacy software, uh, on mainframes and so on, as is as is the norm. Um, the ASX took a view uh, a few years ago to replatform that on a distributed ledger um, with with the goal of achieving pretty significant operational cost reductions for their market, um, and they selected Digital Asset to to help them with that work. Um, so that's probably the biggest and most advanced use case that we're doing with um, with Daml right now. Could you describe how the how the process improved before you guys implemented the uh, the Daml solution? Yeah, I, I, happy to. So the 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 story is the fairly um, is the fairly classic one with enterprise blockchain, which is really about reduction of reconciliation. In the old mm-hmm. process, um, you had broker dealers and members of the Australian Securities Exchange responsible for collecting their own records and maintaining those and tracking those records against the records that the ASX themselves kept. Um, what the what the distributed ledger does here um, is that it enables that to be cut out. Um, operators or, or, or members of that exchange are able to see uh, the same records that the ASX is maintaining um, once they once they operate a node on that network. 
Um, the bit that makes all this work is the is the DAML code that describes that process. So what kind of support do these companies need? And like how would, I guess, uh, I would say like a emerging consortium um, learn from this approach? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think the... I think there's several layers of support that that any any group of companies looking to do something with with distributed ledgers need. Uh, the first of these is really around um, analyzing the details of the use case and understanding and, and trying to quantify what the potential benefits of moving to a distributed ledger are. And those benefits really um, depend heavily on the dynamics of the particular network. So in the ASX's case, you've got mm-hmm. a bunch of of you have a bunch of different member firms out there that have different appetites um, for uh, for rapid technological change, um, and understanding what that is and and how to build a uh, a solution for the problem that accounts for that, I think, is sort of the first stage of of, of assistance that firms want. Um, we, you know, a digital asset, we're fortunate to have uh, some some very senior industry veterans working for us. You know, real experts in operational technology for for financial markets. Um, mm-hmm. So these are these are people. And we have the same thing in healthcare as well. These, these are people who can really bring that um, that industry first uh, or industry centric um, view of things, uh, which, which helps a lot. Uh, I think the second level, the second level of support that um, that businesses need here is in understanding the the technology side. It's in helping to select appropriate platforms, and we've got a large and growing network of systems integrators that. Can provide that independent advice to those firms, you know, big big four consulting shops and, and smaller firms as well. Um, the uh, you know these are these are for companies that can help understand which you know the characteristics of different distributed ledger networks, what particular technology is appropriate for the use case, and so on, and help them pick ones that have the right privacy characteristics and performance characteristics. Um, and then mm-hmm. the third and final thing, which we're hoping. Um, and are already seeing that we're doing less of is really an assistance with the DAML modeling itself. Um, this was always the bit that always the promise that this is supposed to be the easy part, and it's proving to be. <laughs> you know, as people get up to speed on DAML and get to grips with it, and uh, they're, they're, there's a growing community of that now, which uh, I'd encourage interested listeners to check out on, on our discuss forum. <laughs> but um, as the industry at large gets to grips with DAML, um, we'll, there'll be less of that to do, and there'll be more ability for firms to take it on themselves. Um, around actually writing the DAML code, help how, understanding how to decompose a business workflow into some DAML contracts and templates, and and actually write that code. I mean, we've been doing a lot for the ASX on that front, but that's simply because they came to us early in the day and early in the game. I think uh, you know if that project started from scratch now, there would be a, a lot less of the the DAML writing for us to do, and I think the company would be a lot more uh, self sufficient on that front. And we're actually seeing that with some of our other use cases around. Uh, Broadridge, who who have done a distributed repo project uh, in the United States, um, and they've they've largely written all of that themselves, and it's been very successful. Very cool. It's super interesting to hear about all the progress that's being made, and I think also I think it's also very interesting that you talked about, especially with regards to the ASX uh, use case, about how they made sure that all the all the participants were comfortable and uh, were onboarding at their own pace because. Obviously, um, there are, there are a lot of challenges with regards to onboarding onto consortia, and just making that as easy as possible to you know and to make sure that networks can expand, people participants can join 
that, that plays a very big part in building an ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And that that's the, this is always the thing. I think companies come together with ideas about how to use distributed ledgers to improve processes. Um, it's it's a slog from that point of getting people around a table and agreeing that this is a good idea to actually getting something into production. Um, yeah. It's a, you know, it's a big slog. These are firms that compete with each other. It's not, it's not their natural instinct to sit down and form a consortium, even though, you know, banking has done this for years with industry utilities. It's still a hard thing to do. Like collaboration uh, mindset. Yeah, it, it's collaborative, but it's also, it's also just simple. It, it's just simple operational stuff. You know, if you have a consortium that you're forming from scratch, you need yeah. a governing body to sit there and look after the network and be responsible for the technology. So now you're asking mm-hmm. people to contribute. You know, it's not just a, a getting around and agreeing on legal terms and conditions about how they're going to work together. You also have to plan for how you're going to run the thing and how you're going to look after it operationally, how you're going to staff that up. And you know, these things tend mm-hmm. to be these are hard problems to solve. Consortiums are, are definitely are difficult things to do, but the benefits are quite real when you get there. Mm-hmm. And it's actually that, that brings me on to another point I, I did want to bring up, which is DAML isn't just for uh, distributed use cases either. You know, we're seeing a lot of companies taking it and running it internally to streamline their their own interdepartmental processes. Mm, you know, it's still okay. a multi-party, right? You know, it's still a multi-party system. If you, you've got a, a bank with um, some uh, some compliance walls between different departments that can't speak to each other, but they still need to share data and processes, well, DAML is an ideal way of doing that. It preserves the privacy of that data. It keeps confidential the stuff that isn't supposed to be shared. You know, so the research arm and the brokerage arm aren't talking to each other, uh, but they're still able to share, you know, compliance updates and and security whitelists and that sort of thing. Um, so this this is a this becomes a really nice way for companies to get comfortable with the idea of using smart contracts for governing workflows and controlling access to data, um, which all just helps to streamline the um you know the eventual rollout to a true distributed ledger um solution when when the consortium is spun up very cool so now that you've spoken a lot about i guess how the like some of the challenges that come with starting a consort a consortium do you think that any of the i guess do you think that how the majority of enterprises look at blockchain technology has changed over the past couple of years um, do you think sentiments have improved or not? Or what, what is your take on that? I think that there was, in the early days, I think everybody knows there's, there's tremendous enthusiasm here. Um, and it's the natural reaction of large businesses to try to um, uh, try to explore that enthusiasm and excitement in, 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 in new technology trends. Um, and innovation labs get spun up quickly to, to look at that. Um, that, I think, is healthy. Um, what we're looking for is things that are, you know, graduating from the innovation labs and moving into the business, the lines of business that are responsible for actually doing things for real. Um, we're seeing a lot less um, innovation lab-driven, you know, proofs of concept and experimentation, and we're seeing more um, more of a focus on where there's actual business value here. Um, so business unit driven projects are, are, are starting to take off now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, the, the blockchain is, a, it, it's unlike other industry changing technology trends in that um, you, you know, to make use of it, you have to be thinking in a multi-party, um, in a multi-party mindset. You have to be thinking, 
I need a consortium here. I'd have to get my competitors and my peers together on this to to agree something and save some money. Um, that I think has led to a slower pace of adoption than you would have seen with technology trends um, that are sort of purely internally sourced or or purely have internal benefits where just one company on their own can decide to make use of it. Um, and again, mm-hmm. I think that's why it's interesting that we're able to uh, that we've been able to to use, see Daml used internally. That that helps to to seed the tech, right? But um, but where those you know where those benefits are tangible, where the, where there is a real ROI, um, then we are now just I think at the point of seeing comfort in investing in these things from from lines of business. Um, it you know it it's it's now possible to get these platforms spun up on on common enterprise cloud providers. Um, mm-hmm. That makes it easier, right? That takes a huge technological headache away. It takes a lot of risk management away as well from the, from the companies. Um, Daml itself is part of that. You know, if, if, you, if you're not committed to um, running a network on a particular distributed ledger platform um, because you have the freedom to move, then, you, then you, you've just taken an enormous amount of risk out of your project and it's far more likely that you're going to go ahead with it. Uh, you, you know, you can prototype on something lightweight. You can migrate to something um, more robust for for production use, and then you're not even you're not you're not locked into that for uh, for, for for the eternity of the project or for the life of the project. Right. Yeah. I mean, because obviously, because you guys have a smart contract language approach, which is obviously different from a platform approach, a pla- distributed platform approach. What? I guess that that also means that, I mean, in some sense, the, and I'm using air quotes here, the success of demo is very much dependent on the evolution of distributed, uh, other distributed ledger platforms as well, right? So what do you think are some of the other technical challenges that may exist for companies that are building on DLT? Um, You have already mentioned some human challenges like governance and trying to get mm. uh, entities to collaborate. And you guys have obviously come up with a platform agnostic solution that will, I guess, like shield companies from evolving technologies and from platform lock-in and things like that. So what mm. are the challenges to exist? Yeah, I think I think, um, I think operational management is always going to be a, um, a headache with new technology. Um, mm-hmm. The the state of the art is maturing. Um, I think Cord has got itself to a point where it's um, it's pretty nicely usable in an enterprise now, um, which is good. We're seeing again, as I mentioned before, we're seeing cloud providers making these blockchain platforms available. Um, I think we're in, we're in the early days of that, uh, and um, there's a, you know like Chainstack um, uh, and uh, and BTP as well. You know, these are firms and intellectual you catalyst. These are companies who've got products out there which take away some of the some of the operational management burden of running a blockchain network, and that's all the stuff that's going to help with it. Um, you know, without that, you're you're asking companies to invest in um, a set of skills really at the frontier of a new technology. You know, how to how to deploy and manage multiple nodes of a blockchain. There's not really an established body of best practice to, to do that yet. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. Well, it's hard it's hard to find, which is just another way of saying expensive. But um <laughs> it's um it's just it's just difficult because the stuff's changing. Um you know these these private networks haven't been under significant attack from hackers yet. 
Um, so mm-hmm. people haven't really learned the best ways of running them and securing them. Like this stuff is all, um, it's all new. Um, and you know, if you're a risk averse business in, in a space like healthcare or, or, um, or finance, you're going to find that, um, a slightly uncomfortable space to be, and you're going to look for somebody to share the liability and share the burden with you. Um, and that I think is, you know, one of the reasons why we're excited about a partnership with VMware too. This is, this is a huge company that's got, you know, deep mm-hmm. experience of running, uh, of running mission critical systems for enterprises. And that's exactly the kind of thing I think this industry needs in order to, um, uh, in order to see bigger take up of, uh, of these kinds of platforms. What do you think we can expect to see in the next five to 10 years? I think, um, I think we're going to, well, my, my hope here is that we see, um, we see a shortening of the time that it takes companies to decide to commit to doing a blockchain project. Um, I think, I think how long is it right now? Yeah. Well, it can, if it's a, if it's a consortium from scratch, it's, it can be, you know, a really long time. It can be years, um, Mm -hmm. you know, to get everything organized. I think I, I, you know, what I'm going to, I think we're going to see though, is that, is that time coming down? Um, We're going to see, uh, more and more firms like uh, you know, like that chain stack that I mentioned coming along and offering niche uh, management platforms to make it easier for companies of all sizes to get up to speed on a on a distributed ledger project. Um, we're going to see a growing acceptance of enterprise use of distributed ledgers through um, through firms like VMware and, mm-hmm. and through the big cloud providers. Uh, this is the stuff I think is going to happen. And then I think you know the bit I'm excited about for, for what we're doing at Digital Asset is um, a growing adoption of smart contract technologies for powering things in a non-DLT context, for doing mm-hmm. stuff internally, you know, as a way to write, um, you know, as a way to write a, a line of business application. Um, I would love to see languages like DAML, um, uh, and I, I think we will see this, get more widely adopted just as a, a general language for writing any sort of business process or any any kind of governance type application. That will um, that, that's what I think we're going to see. It's the it's it's taking some of those um, those adjacent concepts to distributed ledgers and then making them used in in all sorts of different areas, like smart contracts, for example. It's such a it's such a nice and logical way of thinking about um, business processes that it just naturally makes sense in in lots of different contexts. Um, Amazon, you know, for example, with QLDB has mm-hmm. has recognized this. Right, there's a centralized ledger database. Here's an append only log. That you can control with a smart contract, um, which gives you many of the benefits of a distributed ledger, but without the need for all of the parties to run and operate nodes in it. That we're going to see more of that kind of stuff. I'm absolutely convinced of it. There'll be competitors to QLDB, I'm sure. Is there anyone else that is doing the same thing right now? As QLDB, um, I well, I I don't know. Um, but I I I think that there will be. Cool. That's very interesting. Like I would be quite excited to see that, especially if it first spun out from. I guess, the decentralized space, who would have thought, back to database. So I guess my last question for you would be, I guess, pertaining to, again, Daniel's strong ledger agnostic approach. And you have spoken a little bit about how the certain like platforms have evolved over the past few years and how they have become more and more advanced, whether or not they've become usable. And this has definitely fluctuated a lot. So I think in January, Chainsight released a report. Um, it's called the Enterprise Blockchain Evolution Index. And it was basically a survey that 
basically identified the developer activity across the six leading enterprise blockchain protocols over the past five years. And it showed like a significant fluctuation in developer activity across the different enterprise blockchain platforms. Like for example, Arctic Corner, as we mentioned a lot of times in this conversation, but it was definitely one of the platforms that have seen that saw one of the largest growth. So how do you think or how do you expect that this market will evolve? Do you think that we will see more sophisticated platforms appearing? Um, or do you think that we will see a convergence to, ju- to just a few dominant platforms like you met, like you might have mentioned before? I th- I th- mm, um, that's a great question. I think we are going to see um, platforms naturally finding um, vertical markets in which they're particularly well suited. And then growing out to you know to become dominant players in those particular markets. So less platforms that are relevant for all use cases. Yeah, I think I think so. I, I think you know there will be some general purpose platforms, but they're going to be the big dogs out there. Um, mm-hmm. I think that there's room for the there's room for specialists in in particular markets. And if you think about um, you know IoT or telematics or stuff like that, where you've got a whole you know, mass number of contributing nodes delivering very small volumes of data. That that's a that's an ex, that's a complete with, with a limited number of readers. That's a very very different problem, and it, and it it implies a very different way of designing a system to something, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that would be designed for a you know central uh, central securities depository where you've got um, you know potentially a large number of end of day batch updates of quite huge volumes of data. Like this, this stuff is mm-hmm. just, you know the performance characteristics, the the attack vectors for um, you know for people trying to break into it, uh, the non-functional requirements. All of these things are quite different, and I, I think platforms are going to um, adapt to fill particular niches where they're well suited. But where we are right mm-hmm. now in the evolution of enterprise blockchain and DLT is uh, we've got a whole bunch of candidate systems that that you know are, are all getting you know semi-equal attention we're just we're just i think at the beginning of starting to see specialization where they're suited to particular markets i see cool um so yeah thank you so much for sharing i I thought that was very very insightful so i guess i'll i think i will end off this interview just by asking if you have any uh upcoming exciting announcements or partnerships that we should be looking forward to well i think um i think uh, my, my favorite thing I like to talk about at the moment is um, is our new partnership with Chainstack, um, <laughs> which uh, we we're very excited about. So, Daml for Corda is you know for those of that go to our website and see is available through um, some of our SI partners. Um, for people, for, you know, for engineers and developers who who want to try it out for startups, for smaller firms that don't you know want to engage with a with an SI, um, we haven't really had a, a good way of looking after and supporting them up until now. Um, Chainstack brings us that. My hope here is with our partnership with Chainstack is that you know a, a very broad population of people interested in Corda um, will be able to try out Daml and see how easy it is to write smart contracts, deploy them on Corda, put some applications into production, and um, and see the benefits of that. Other than other, than, and this is a brand new partnership. You know, we we uh, we we signed our deal, I think, yesterday. Um, so uh, I'm I'm very excited about that. Now the um, other stuff we we've got some interesting um, and quite big announcements coming out later in the fall. Um, 
sadly i'm not able to to tease any of that stuff but there's some big there's some big client focused announcements coming out uh, totally out fine now. yeah I sorry understand. about that um i understand yes it, it's all it is it is all it's is all pretty exciting stuff though um but it all points to what yeah. i was talking about before this is people are are using daml they're writing applications with it and the, the, because it's taking that risk out of those projects, people are getting more comfortable about going into production with them. And that's the stuff that we're seeing now. All right. So I am definitely excited and I will be on a lookout for these announcements and partnerships. I'm very excited to hear more about other exciting use cases on how demos being used in production. And I'll be looking forward to hearing about them. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you. Um, yeah. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you very much for having me on. And um, I hope if uh, you know we've inspired one person to go out and check Daml out, um, then I think I've done my job, and I'd be happy if they did that. <laughs> I'll, def- I'll, I'll put a bunch of links, so so they'll definitely do it. I hope. Yeah. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for sharing, and yeah, I look forward to hearing from you in the future. Very so, good. Ash. Thank you. 